Welcome to the Sports Analytics Podcast, your source of information you can use along your journey in the world of sports analytics. Through interviews with experts and thought leaders, we'll uncover how data science, artificial intelligence, and analysis tools are being used for competitive advantage in sports. We'll also explore industry trends and career opportunities. So now, hold on to your data, folks, because this program is ready to launch. It will take the computer a few moments to compile the information. Here is your host, Terry Frederick. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the first episode of the Sports Analytics Podcast. I have a very special guest with me today, someone who has played in college, played professionally, now has moved on to being a coach in the professional ranks. He played college basketball at the University of North Carolina, Greensboro, had a very successful 16-year career playing professional basketball overseas in the EuroLeague, moved on to Florida Atlantic University as a graduate assistant. He did a stint as a basketball coach at the IMG Academy, then moved on to be a player development video assistant with the Brooklyn Nets and is now an assistant coach with the Long Island Nets, which is the G League affiliate of the Brooklyn Nets. Please welcome to the show, Ronnie Burrell. Thank you very much for having me on, Terry. I appreciate it. Fantastic. I'm really glad you're here. And uh, again, your career is really interesting because, you know, it spanned the playing years at college and uh, professionally for a, a long career overseas. And now you moved into the, uh, the coaching ranks. And uh, what I was hoping we could do today is discuss kind of what you've seen in your years playing and now coaching with respect to uh, the data analytics associated with with basketball and how it's being used for competitive advantage. So with that, uh, maybe take us back to, uh, you know, how it was back in the day for you, you know, what I would call the film study days. Uh, uh, And now, you know, we moved on to this word sports analytics. Can you share with us? kind of what it was like when you played in college and then moved on professionally, uh, how you used film study and the data analytics that were used not only for the team, but for your uh, player development and player performance as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So I played played 11 years in Europe. I graduated college in 2005, so I'm 36 years old, uh, which makes me uh, somewhat new to, to the analytics era, you know, and um, – I don't know. You help me if you can remember when I first heard the word analytics was, I don't know. It was within the last 10 years. It was literally the first time I heard the word used for sports mm-hmm. at all. Um, you know, obviously I was playing at the time uh, in Europe and analytics was a trend that was starting uh, in the NBA. Um, I think it was, you know, more so adopted from baseball. Um, yeah, Billy Bean. Right. Moneyball. Moneyball. That was definitely a big turning point for it. Uh, The Golden State Warriors popularized it, and I did not think it would become such an important thing. The the crazy part about it is that uh, analytics has kind of always been a part of sports in a big way. We just, you know, use more simple stats to to analyze players and teams. Um, But as a player, you know, I didn't put on my coaching hat until four years ago. So as a player, 
you look at stats, uh, but you more so just use your eyes, you know? So in college, yeah, we were big, big film study team. I played for Fran McCaffrey, who's a legendary Philadelphia area coach, now the head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, and we had really in-depth scouting reports, a lot of film study on opposing teams' personnel and tendencies, and we studied our own practices and uh, never really used the word analytics and or stats as much as a uh, as you would think, you know, obviously they've converted and, and everybody's kind of gotten on the, on the bandwagon, on the wave, this, this trend of, of gathering data uh, through numbers. So yeah, I, I come from the era where my, my college games were on VHS tape and uh, we, <laughs> yeah. right, we, we studied our opponents through VHS and I'm sure it took a lot of hours for the coaches to make, uh, to, to give us visuals as a team to look at and, uh, so I'm thankful for that. I don't have to do that now, but, uh, but we still do our fair share, obviously, of film study and uh, the tools and the analytics just really, really make it more convenient and time and time efficient for coaches these days. Yeah. So when you played overseas, was it primarily the film study and starting to morph more into the finding ways to use the mass amounts of data that is starting to be collected? Well, it's funny. Europe... Uh, such a broad uh, scope of basketball, so many different levels. And I was fortunate enough to play on almost every level, starting out lower to mid-level teams all the way up to the Euro League. And certain teams over there have really good players, but they just don't have uh, the resources to use uh, film mm-hmm. at all. You know, I've, I've gone into mm-hmm. games and played against a team that I don't really know who I'm going to play against at all, all the way up to having a scouting report prepared and watching video on the opposition. Um but it's, Boy, it's, I can appreciate that. Uh, as you know, uh, I was the uh, general manager for the women's professional team here in Philadelphia last year, right. the Philadelphia Reign. And I can certainly appreciate uh, being resource limited. <laughs> uh, I mean, we went into some games as well, just with basic film study and looking at stats. Uh, and uh, it does come down, you know, certainly sometimes to having the resources, like you said, Take a step back, because I guess we exchanged some text messages a while back when you were working with uh, the Nets. And uh, one thing I remember that was really interesting was the work you did and the preparation of all the information that was gathered for when the Nets entered into the playoffs against the Sixers last year. Yes. Could you share for our listeners a little bit I think it's an interesting story of what a team goes through to get ready for the playoffs of what your role was and what you guys were doing, you know, to get ready uh, uh, for the coaching staff and the players for that, that series. Right. So that was an opening experience for me, you know, working in the player development slash video assistant type of roles, you know, dual responsibilities on the court. We're out there physically, you know, serving the players, using our bodies and assisting with their workouts and assisting the assistant coaches, I should say, during workouts, you know, all throughout the year. So it's a heavy physical toll job. On top of that, you're putting in hours in the video room uh, to provide support to the assistant coaches with all the video and the data that you can gather that they require. And they ask you directly, you know, what they need, um, which varies from coach to coach, from team to team. So just through my experience, it was great. Kind of got into a rhythm with it throughout the regular season. Um, as we got closer to the playoffs and guys start to, you know, manage their loads, quote unquote, as, as they say, and mm-hmm. do less on court, it becomes more more study uh, of the video and and uh, using our time in that way. So once we got to the playoffs, 
and things kind of slow down because now you're playing one team for the foreseeable future, which is the next two weeks or so. And you can really deep dive into their tendencies uh, in all areas. So as opposed to the regular season when there's so many games, quick turnarounds and you're preparing reports for perhaps a back to back, you know, throw one away onto the next team, you know, and you can be in depth, but nowhere near as in depth as this playoff of, you know, these documents that we put together to get ready for Philadelphia. So my role in that was just to gather the the video. You know, we sat in on all of the coaches meetings and whatever they needed. And these are really, really long meetings. We were there. I spent the night in the office one night, you know, <laughs> just to put together these packets and gather all of the data that it takes because obviously the 76ers are going to make an adjustment. We're going to make adjustments um, and we have to be prepared for all of their tendencies. Uh, yeah. Try to learn as many yeah. sets as you can. Try to learn as many play calls as you can. Um, where is this guy going to shoot? Um, where are they going to run their out of timeout plays? Um, time and score, substitution, rotations, and the, the packet itself. I don't know how big this document ended up being, but it was really, really big, and it was <laughs> it was impressive the amount of work we got accomplished in a short amount of time. But it just shows the the attention to detail and the amount of uh, of effort it takes to prepare for you know the product that the fans get to watch on TV. You know. Yeah, certainly for the playoffs, I'm sure it was a, a much larger package. I mean, during the regular season, I mean, you're in the flow of the season and, you know, you're time bound on what you can and can't do. And, and you get into that rhythm and your your process. What's interesting to me is, and it might be for our listeners, is, you know, how does that information that, you know, the, the film study guys, the video guys like you and, and the rest of the team or whatever advanced analytics they're using. What, what's interesting to me is how that information gets disseminated to coaches and players. And, uh, you know, without giving up the secret sauce, I mean, everybody's got the data. So the competitive advantage is going to come from how they use it and, and their team processes. But maybe you could give me some insight into you know, how is all that information boiled down to be being useful information coaches and players can use? Right. It's a great question. Um, obviously, players play mostly off of feel. You know, some players have a higher aptitude to uh, retain data and then kind of act on it on the court where others don't. You know, so at the end of the day, before any game, we usually give the players like a thin slice layer of the analytics stuff in their scouting report, you know. Um, mm-hmm. just to give them more so personnel base. At least that's the way we operated this year in Long Island in the G League. So many different players, player tendencies is a big key to helping you win games. So we wanted the guys to know how their opposition was going to play, the guy they were guarding, who they make it switched on. And like I said, while players have a different capacity for retaining that stuff. Um, but what we found, what I found this year more so, is that the coaches like to have that information in their back pocket, you know, as ammo just in case these situations come up mm-hmm. in game. And the amount of data that's available to us, you end up having so much more than you're ever going to need in the game. But, mm-hmm. you know, as you know, a game could come down to one or two possessions, right? Mm-hmm. One play, one player, one time and score situation where these things, if you have them in your notes or in your head, they can help you win the game. So to have a competitive advantage, you have to be overstocked with this data. And that's kind of <laughs> how yeah. I ended up feeling after each game, especially that I scouted, that I had so many notes, so much data and so much preparation and you know at some point in the game say you're up by 20 late in the fourth and you're like i did a lot of work for nothing 
you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, or yeah. it's a close game, you know, in a time and score situation and you end up uh, being able to key in on a set or being able to take away a certain player's tendency based on the numbers or the film that you watch and it comes down. That's that's the difference between a win and a loss. So it's just always yeah. having, you know, your tools sharp. And now it's, it's to a point where if you don't, you're at a, you're at a big disadvantage because everyone does it. Yeah, being prepared and having all that in your back pocket. I think that's the key, like you said. At, at the college level, you know, we touched on, you know, mainly film study and certainly uh, the, your professional career overseas, you know, based on resources, a lot of film study, if it was available. What are the go-to tools that you're using today? far as the video and any analytics tools, I, I believe the NBA, uh, I think they have common common film editing tools across the league. But I'm just curious, what 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 are you mo- most using today? All right, so I'm uh, we use Sports Code. That's the biggest and most common. I think as, as everyone kind of knows at this point, Sports yeah. Code is is a necessity to learn um, for all coaches and up and coming coaches or video guys and it's valuable to everyone front office staff um you know and that's just how we break our film down is with the use of sports code um Mm -hmm. it took me a month or so to get really comfortable with it and then after using it on a daily basis all day and for the last two years you know it's it's a really useful tool um i'm not familiar with the others uh i know there are a few teams around the league that may have different software packages but sports code is basically the uh the most common Mm -hmm. Um, mm-hmm. synergy is mm-hmm. common throughout college and the pros as far as that's what I use for my analytics stats and it's a great um, you know it's a great platform that, that combines both the video and the numbers for you uh, so so that's those are two things that I tell everyone that they need to familiarize themselves with if at all possible and yeah, I know they are when you're not working for a team they're really expensive softwares and packages to, to purchase and try to download and get trial runs. And I've been through all of those things, but just, just <laughs> try to familiar, familiarize yourself with those things as much as you can. Uh, we'll give you a little bit of a head start into the business. Uh, yeah. So those are the tools. Synergy, I'm a big fan of. It's just uh, really yeah. simplifies everything for you. And even if, you know, it, there, if there's a stat or an, an, an analytics uh, term that you don't understand, you know, Synergy has the definitions for you, explains the formulas and how to use them, you know, so it's, it's a great tool. So are there standard packages that as you get into uh, the team that they are expecting you to produce or do you have uh, more free range and liberty to present more of what you think is of value to the players and coaches? Um, are you asking specifically as a G League assistant coach, or well, I'll yeah, tell you both. Yeah. So in, in yeah. Brooklyn, I, like I said, I was more a support staff, right, quality control type of level guy in the video room, and we did it as we were told by the assistants or the head coach, okay. who at the time was was Kenny Atkinson, and uh, also we did work for the analytics department, the front office department. You know, the scouts if they need video support, you package uh, the mm-hmm. video up in a sports code package, you know, and, and we do it exactly as we're told, you know, they were, they were great with right. clarifying projects. Uh, you know, if I had a question about exactly. So it was clear what they were looking for that they, they would like you to go get uh, for them. Very clear. Yes. Now, now okay. in the G league with a smaller staff and as an assistant coach, you have more control over what you present, you know, how you present it. Um, so mm-hmm. before you scout a team or a player, obviously there are certain things that you want to cover. 
um, that are pretty much uniform throughout, but you can kind of do it in your own um, in your own style using sports code. Yeah. So, what do you think some of the biggest challenges or areas of improvement for really leveraging analytics a little more in the future that we'll, we're going to see, you know, going forward for uh, basketball teams, the pros. Okay. From a coach's perspective, I think it's just uh, one of the more difficult things I see is to get guys kind of like myself and people approach it in different ways. But former players seem to have a uh, little defense mechanism against the analytics thing, you know, because as, oh, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. as a player, you feel that you've seen and done, been in every situation, you know, you can kind of mm-hmm. go by feel. And I agree with that, you know, because, you know, I played long enough and I know players of all levels, you know, feel they have a certain expertise that you can't gain from just being. No, no, your eyes tell you what your eyes tell you. Exactly. You know, from a scouting perspective. Yes. And and I think it's just getting over that mental barrier to one, understand that some people like to look at the numbers. Some people like to look at the film. I like a combination of both. And I had an interesting, um, I went to a seminar one one time in Las Vegas and Dean Oliver was speaking who everyone should know is considered the father of, you know, yeah. analytics in the basketball world basketball. in general, you know? And, uh, I got to ask my question and this was early in my coaching career. And he, he told me, you know, what I always felt was that I feel like my eyes tell me what I need to know. And they usually are supported by the numbers and vice versa. If I see, the analytics breakdown of a player or a team, I can kind of infer what their style of play is going to look like when I watch the video and vice versa. And he said, it's like a validation almost. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a good tool of validation. And one thing that I remember him saying was that for those outliers, when there's something that's not explained, um, that's when either both are used for support. So if you're watching something or a player, you don't understand why <clears throat> he has a tendency to do this or that uh, for that, 10%, say, say 90% of what you see or what you read in the analytics report always support each other. There will be some outliers that you can do a deeper dive study, and that's where analytics gets really uh, valuable, is in those little outliers that aren't really explained by the video. Or and uh, But I was just good to hear from his mouth that what I felt was true. That, you know, they go hand in hand, and there's really no reason to have a uh, closed-minded uh, you know, approach to analytics or, or vice versa. Yeah, I think I think that touches on basically the culture of an organization, and we're talking about professional basketball teams here. That culture of you know the old guys, the scouts, you know uh, that's been going on for a number of years. I think it's um, been tempered a bit recently that teams are realizing, yeah, we, we need we need the old uh, grizzly scout and his input, but. If we can leverage that with what the data is telling us, uh, those that can do that more effectively, are, you know, I, I don't know if there's uh, analytic data out there to support it, but most likely they're going to get the competitive advantage, you know, working together. And I think teams having that culture uh, is the place where I think most teams are heading. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I try to be you know, adaptable and versatile and be able to look at it from both perspectives and, re- and just have respect for both both views. I think it's to a point now um, in my, you know, brief experience around the NBA and the G League is that it's, it's um, you know, the walls are kind of breaking down. Everybody's adopting 
an analytics approach, a video approach, and also placing high value on on-court player development. So that's where those two worlds mm. kind of come together, you know. We kind of touched on a little bit about, you know, the challenges and areas of improvement for teams, but where do you think where do you think we're going with a future in basketball and the trends and the use of analytics? I know um, artificial intelligence is being talked about and, and basically taking scads of that video data that all those cameras in the arenas are taking, mm-hmm. you know, and player movement and such. Where do you think we're going? with all this yeah well i think uh i think you hit it on the head with what you just said it's a it's going to be really tech driven and there are some you know i was lucky enough to work for brooklyn you know without you know divulging too much information they are one of the have to be one of the most high-tech organizations they're very forward thinking um as far as like physical performance all the way down to shooting there's a you know they use technology to track trajectories of guys shots and they chart all of this information and, and um they use, you know, wearable technology. They use mm-hmm. you know, analytics, you know, very, very in-depth analytics. The department. Yeah, we didn't even touch the performance valuable. aspects of all this data. Right. So yeah. that so it yeah. crosses over all the way to you know physical performance, strength and conditioning, um, mm-hmm. shooting. It helps us with our stra- our scouting, pre-draft stuff, and, and personnel decisions. Free agency is heavily contingent on you know guys' analytics evaluations. You know, you get a report on a player and. Yeah. See if his, you know, analytics profile fits to the needs of the team. And it's that's the wave of the future. You know, I was I'm, I'm glad to have gotten a look at it firsthand. Um, but I think that that's the way it's going to go, because like I said, if not, it's an arms race. Right. So out of necessity, any team that mm-hmm. uses these things efficiently is going to have a, a, a big, big competitive advantage. And I value all of that stuff. At times, you know, you kind of get overwhelmed like this. So much data, so much data we're getting. Yeah. You know? How do you how do you not get overwhelmed? I mean, uh, you can find as much data as you want and, you know, boiling it down to what is usable uh, without overwhelming yourself and the people you're feeding the data to. That's That's got to be a big challenge. Right. It is. But at the end of the day, like I said, just like when you break it down to scouting or coaching a game, you end up with more info than you need. But there's that, you know, small chance that it may be the difference between it winning or losing it may be the difference between a championship franchise and a and a playoff team you know just having a little bit of um yeah it could be uh four bounces on the win- on the rim exactly. uh, whether you win a series or not exactly. toronto sixers <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sure so, there's a way there's a software there's I, I can't remember the name of the software i probably shouldn't even say it if i knew it but i uh that tracks, um, you know, the traje- trajectory of shots and oh, yeah. patterns. And I've, I've got to use it, and it's really remarkable to watch, you know. Well, home court is one I use with training uh, that does – it films it for – it films your shooting workout, and, you know, it, it measures all that now. Yeah. Uh, the shooting trajectory and all that. Yeah, but I know colleges are using these things, which is, you know, out of my you – know, blows my mind yeah. to think that the game changed so fast you know i went to a mid-major school where you know we didn't we didn't even have a gun in the gym at the time you know now that's like they have that's a shooting machine yeah yeah they have middle schools and high schools that have multiple and you know i know i know and now they have shot tracking devices all over the place so but i i love it i mean it's it just helps the game you know it's, yeah that's cool so i got one last question and i'll, I'll let you get on out of here uh, so for someone who's looking for, uh, a career in sports analytics, uh, 
maybe you could give us a a couple of pointers for uh, what someone should be doing. Well, like like any job in sports, I think the most important thing is to just educate yourself on the trends of the business and and meet people. Right? I know that has nothing to do with the analytics, but I think that's ninety mm-hmm. percent of working in sports is just just meeting people and showing your dedication to the game, whatever it may be, because analytics, as we know, crosses over different sports, right? So you don't have to be necessarily a basketball guy. You can transition from basketball to baseball, from other sports if you're comfortable with um, numbers and technology and you have the patience and the mind for it. Um, and that's that's the one thing that I think separates a, a guy that's strictly looking into the analytics field is just having the knowledge of the technology being aware and keeping abreast of what the trends are in the league that you're interested in, you know, and meeting the people that will give you an opportunity. And uh, just like any business in sports, you'll have to start usually in an entry-level job, and they really are valuable. You know, I did it on the coaching front, um, and it's it's just a valuable way to go. Like, you learn everything you need within that first year or two, and then, uh, you know, the future is, is could possibly be bright. And I think there will be more um, – jobs in analytics department in the next coming years. You know, we saw that trend with the video uh, once film and, you know, these new technologies came out, which aren't new now, but Synergy and these other things came out. Video staff started to grow as they started to value it more and more. And now I think the same trend is going to happen in analytics. So yeah, definitely a good way to get into the NBA. Yeah. Knowing a little bit of firsthand and knowing you a little bit, I know uh, your career is headed in the direction it is because uh, I like to call it the you put your your networking on steroids and uh, and and you're off doing something you love so that's awesome Absolutely. so which are helping well, well thank you very much for that <laughs> a little plug so Ronnie listen we're gonna wrap up here today uh, unless you had any closing thoughts uh, uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show and being my first guest for my first show. And uh, I appreciate that very much. No, Unless you. you got any closing thoughts, uh, I'll, I'll shut it down here. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate, you know, talking to you anytime, you know, anytime I'd love to do it again on a different topic. If you, uh, if you'd like to, and just uh, yeah. for the guys that are listening and I appreciate, appreciate you listening. And I appreciate Terry, all the work that you do with your up and coming uh, sports professionals on, uh, I think it's a great service uh, that you provide, and you. I appreciate your passion on all topics. So be well, thank and, you. and uh, we will talk soon. All right. Very good. Well, thank you, Ronnie. I'll let you go for now. Stay safe and well, and hopefully we can get back on the court soon. All right, Terry. Be well. And there you have it. The first episode of the Sports Analytics Podcast is in the books. Please join me next week when I'll have another interesting guest to talk more about sports analytics. Thanks for listening.